Well, we are excited for this episode of Pain Reframed. We have Dr. Adrian Lowe from the International Spine and Pain Institute coming to us this morning. Adrian is a world-renowned speaker and scientist in the area of pain neuroscience education and pain in general. This is Pain Reframed. Adrian is one of those individuals that is tireless in his pursuit of excellence in improving the care of patients in our country and around the world. Clearly, in this epidemic of pain, there are a few people that you look to to say, this person is making a difference and is caring about what is happening. So with no further ado, let's bring on Dr. Adrian Lowe. How are you doing today, Adrian? I'm good. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Jeff, for being here. Indeed. Well, what is, we come into 2019. Do you have any uh, anything on the horizon here? Uh, are you speaking at uh, CSM? Any talks coming up soon? Yeah, we, I mean, we're pretty busy. Quite a few pain talks, which there's been a nice shift towards the pain world. We have our online conference a few weeks later. As you know, the seminar series that starts off New Year, new students, our cohort started this week with our fellows and our um, certification folks. So um, busy year. Yep. 2019's go. Tell us a little bit more about the fellowship. Is this a multidisciplinary program or is it just for physical therapists? Yeah, Tim. So it's a, it's a multidisciplinary. So we, you know, a couple of years ago, our company joined with Evidence in Motion. And one of the first projects was to build our patent certification, which we graduate about 100 to 110 students per year. And then it was just an overwhelming interest in doing more when students were done. And it's always been multidisciplinary. And obviously, we launched our patent fellowship last year. We we have PTs in there, we have OTs, we have a physician that just started this week. So yeah, it's, it's true multidisciplinary. Now, I have to be honest, it's probably very PT-OT centric, which is not a bad thing, but yeah, it's completely multidisciplinary and we're excited where it's going. That's great. Well, you know, this week, an old colleague of mine from Texas was reaching out and he's been very involved. He's now retired, but was very involved in their pain fellowship program down there, which was a, a physician fellowship program. He was just lamenting that uh, one of the the dialed in fellows that was there. She was sent actually to work, he says, at Cleveland Clinic some years ago. And he was just, she reached out to him because he, she was just so frustrated. And, and the, the story she gave was that, you know, a patient was sent for a steroid injection and she began to examine the patient to see if he really had some nerve root irritability and might be a good candidate. And one of the the key faculty members at this large institution intervened, told her not to waste her time doing it, you know, just go ahead and do the injection. You know, again, that that's just one story of many, but I when our quote pain clinics are really intervention clinics, do you feel like we're making a dent or what's your sense as we enter 2019? Yeah, that's a big question and we could probably go both ways. You know, I, I'm an optimist. I'm a very big optimist. I believe in therapy. I believe in what we're doing, but you know, maybe the listeners won't like my comment, but we need to be careful. Sometimes we're playing in these little margins. We need to understand there's a big world to them and you're aware of it more than I am. Um, let's not kid ourselves. There are billions of dollars against us. 
I'm sorry. I, I, I'm pretty sure the listeners want to hear me this morning going rah, rah, rah. We're the best things in sliced bread. We're going to change the world. And the, I think they're under an illusion here. The biomedical medical model is monstrous. It's funny. This week, we're working actually on a multidisciplinary module for our pain fellowship. And pain clinics in America are not multidisciplinary. They are completely driven by the pain doc, the interventional process, and everything else is an afterthought. It's expensive to get in. It is long waiting lists. It is very hard to find these true multidisciplinary clinics, especially, sorry, but in the United States, it's very prevalent in Europe. You know, when we're sitting here and saying, and, and again, I want the listeners to hear, I'm an optimist. I do think we're making some changes, but there are big powers at B. We cannot put our guard down and think, hey, I just took a pain class. I, I know all about pain and I'm a good, there is major shifts that need to happen. Like it or not, we're sitting here today doing this interview, but there are over a hundred Americans that will die today from prescription opioids. You know it better than anybody. And I, I just need our, our clinicians that listen to pain reframed and rah, 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 you guys are doing great to understand this. This is a very long-term process that we have to change. So I'm sorry, it's probably not the answer you guys wanted this morning, but I am concerned because I think sometimes we get very complacent and think, hey, pain neuroscience education and um, explain pain and yeah, we're going to change the world. It's a lot of work, and we need people to be aggressive and serious about this. And Adrian, when you speak about being aggressive, and I, I, I love that message because a call to arms is always warranted, especially when we're up against what we're up against. When we talk about being aggressive, I mean, where do you think that the average clinician who's listening to this and wants to see you know, pain neuroscience move forward and, and pain care move forward, you know, where do you think we need to be aggressive? I mean, is it targeting physicians' mindsets and helping them understand that we can be a stronger role on the team? Is it targeting more from a legal standpoint and getting after some of the of the politics behind all of this? I mean, where can people go to really try and be a part of that push forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I think that it'd be easy for us to all sit this morning and have a long discussion about the avenues. I think the easiest one is, and I, I have said for years, my the mo most frustrating therapist is a complacent therapist, one that's complacent and it's, it's just a job. Those days have to be done. You, this is a profession. You have to be driven. Be the best PT, OT, healthcare provider he can be to touch other people. I've always said it. I, it, it, it drives me bonkers when a, when, a, when a physical therapist, as an example, shadows a surgeon and he asks him about an opinion and they, they kind of, they pretty much act like, well, I don't know. We know a lot. We know a heck of a lot about this stuff. And we need to drive that message that we, we are here and we're here to be important. You know, this morning I got an email from one of our fellows who have to do some clinical shadowing with other healthcare providers as part of our modules. And she said the physician that she was shadowing was so overwhelmed with her knowledge that they've now invited her to be part of the multidisciplinary team. That's what I'm talking about, Jeff. Yeah, we can go legal and yeah, we can fight, but the average therapist that's listening or the average clinician be the best you can and rub off on the other people or make them so uncomfortable that they they realize they have to change that's the easy way i mean people like tim people like myself jeff you included we have to train the next generation we have to go to washington dc talk to the right people we need to fight and, and all those things but for the average clinician is treat your patients really well but be a voice for them be a voice for the new stuff is probably the best way at this point in, in my opinion, at least. Absolutely. I think, Adrian, I think a lot of folks think, you know, 
it's a great thought, but until we have that prescription pad, which we we don't have and, and shouldn't have and aren't going to have, you know, we're never going to be seen as like the top of that pyramid. Even as as there's so many negative emotions swirling about opioids, et cetera, you know, the inability to order advanced imaging, to, to write those prescriptions are always going to have us looking second tier. But I, I guess deep down, I feel the way you do that, if you get excellent outcomes, which we know can be achieved in the absence of those more invasive things, right, excellence over time is going to change mindset. Yeah, it's going to be a long process. You know, it's probably a bad, bad analogy, but I always say we're going to turn the Titanic around. I'll give you an example. We just got done with a study at St. Ambrose University where we went to the physician assistant program, and we just gave them a two-hour lecture on how pain works. Not, there was not a single word in the lecture called physical therapy, and yet we gave them a survey and attitudes, beliefs about physical therapy, and it drastically shifted them on, A, how they see therapy and how they see the value of therapy. And by the way, the PA students in two-hour lectures shifted drastically away from their thoughts about more passive versus getting to more active treatments versus passive. So we can change it. I, I strongly believe we can. It, I just need the listeners today to know it's 2019. Yes, we, we still have a lot of work ahead of us. Yeah, I, I, I do believe that. You know, I would like to echo what you said there, Adrian, about the PA education and, and uh, where I teach at South College, there's an interprofessional education series. And it was eye-opening to our students when you had pharmacy, PA, nurse practitioner students and physical therapy students. And the case was an individual that was on high levels of opioids and had multiple system problems. The understanding of pain was absent essentially amongst the other providers and not, not blaming the, the students at, at all, just the, the curriculum of the providers. And it shifted as our students, you know, really led the sessions on the pain components of it. And it just, as you said, at least let's get this next generation dialed in. And I, you know, for the listeners out there, I know we have a lot of faculty members and programs. That is clearly a way to to make a difference and begin to get at the new allies as, as we go forward. Absolutely. I, I, you know, the, the buzzword on every campus now is interdisciplinary and which excites me because we have to learn from others. And, uh, by the way, on our end too, because I think sometimes I know my realm is physical therapy, but we often get therapy centric. We only look at it one way and, and that's also very scary and that's wrong because there are so much we can learn from the pharmacist, from the massage therapist, from the physicians, from the interventionists, etc. I like the idea that the future generations will be more collaborative in the classroom, which would, has to foster it for us in the real world. I, I truly believe that. The Tennessee Pain Society uh, just had a contact with one of the two psychologists that's part of the Tennessee Pain Society. To my knowledge, he was saying there's like, I don't think there's any physical therapists that are part of it. And it's just driven by interventionists. The good news is he's, they're trying to bring in PT folks to speak at. But I think that our colleagues you know, it's not just us out there that are frustrated with this way. You know, I mean, when I look at it from the, as you say, the, the, the medical industrial complex and this larger issue and every week, you know, another thing comes out about Purdue Pharmaceutical and how we, you know, literally the nefarious nature of the industry to get us here. There's providers, they went into this profession not to harm people. There are outliers, but for the most part, these folks went in there to be of some use. And I think if we, as you started the talk, speak to first being having excellence, but then having the confidence to just 
rub shoulders and make a difference in your local community. Grassroots, that's my belief, is how things change. Grassroots, how the problem started. You know, if you think about it, rural places, small areas started the epidemic. And now, you know, I think that we can be the, the reverse. It starts, you know, it starts with you. It starts with one. It starts in the community you're at. I guess my question next, Adrian, you know, is as you go around, because you, you contact a lot of professionals, do you sense or have you all done any work in terms of looking at outcomes of your the students you have in terms of engaging in the community are they giving talks are they doing things outside of the quote area of therapy one-on-one yeah so that's a good question you know to in our pain certification as i said we, we train about 100 110 students per year their cohort um, when they're done they have to do a capstone and the capstone project is for them to do a presentation in their community on pain neuroscience education and this has been mind-blowing because this is part of the school projects we've done this is about going back to hospitals to their departments to the community in general in just a general population so so one of our big missions is to get this out there absolutely Absolutely. Short of studying it, now we've, we've done studies. We have a study right now being reviewed where we have trained multidisciplinary teams at the VA in Minneapolis, as an example. So we're purposefully going out training other entities, but even just in general, just spreading the information to PT schools, OT schools, PA schools, medical schools, speaking at multidisciplinary conferences, and then also, as I said, going out to the community. So I think that there's definitely a movement that, that we have to get this information out. And just for the, for the interest sake, you guys, know me as a we do seminars but last year i can honestly vouch 90 percent of our weekend classes had a physician in it mm. and that's exciting i i mean it's almost now hard for me to show up at a weekend seminar with somebody is there's no physician present which is is really cool and they're inquisitive they're interested they, they they've heard about this stuff so there is a movement i i need listeners not to walk away they're going well he's just negative and the world is coming down but there's positive there's a lot of positive but let's make sure we understand that, that we have a big job ahead of us and and that's what it is so you know tim you, you mentioned the idea of starting you know local and starting small i i also think there's something very cool a lot of therapists get now intrigued in neuroplasticity and they like greater motor imagery and pain neuroscience education which by the way i'm just throwing out some big words right but i just said aunt we had this meeting and, and my my message to the therapist there was if we need to also do some of the most basic things correct um, sometimes we jump to this advanced stuff, but you know, it's the basic things which you and Jeff and I totally believe in, and that is listening, respect, making time for our patients. Those kind of things are, if they've ever been needed, it's now. So if the clinician, the average clinician is driving to work, listening to this little talk we're having, and they think, well, what can I do today? Well, do the basics correct, because it starts with one patient at a time. You know, there's very few therapists that can go up to Washington, D.C. today and talk on Capitol Hill. Few of us get to do that, but you get to treat one patient today and then another patient, another patient. I, I think we need to also make sure we do the basic things correct. Gosh, I hope that resonates. Experts do the basics well is something we can't say enough. Excellence starts with one. You get that one home run outcome and you get someone who whose life has changed and they go back and tell their physician and they tell their family and that's how that cascade starts. I mean, Washington, Capitol Hill sounds, you know, appealing and exciting, but 
you know, grassroots level. That's how it happens. Adrian, I, I'd be so curious to hear from you in that position of educating multidisciplinary. Because like you said, everybody's saying that. Like you can't go anywhere where someone's not saying multidisciplinary, which is great that we want to move out of silos. But when it comes to educating them, I oftentimes wonder when I'm in front of a class and I've got DCs and PTs and OTs, you know, do I have to nuance this material for their background? And do I even know enough about their background to do that? I would love to hear from you when it comes to educating different disciplines about pain. Do you think that you have to greatly individualize or make it domain specific or profession specific or is pain pain? Can we come from the same spot and basically give the same story? And regardless of kind of which tool you're holding or which angle you're coming from, really the education of pain can be relatively uniform, even if there's heterogeneity in the class or in in, in the learners. Yeah. So, Jeff, I think there's two parts. One is pain is pain. The biology of pain and the physiology of pain does not change depending on what's on your name tag or on your business card. Pain neuromatrix is a pain neuromatrix. Central sensitization, nociplastic pain, that doesn't change. So I think there's a place to teach pain science in general, but everybody can learn it. But the approach is definitely provider specific. I have many physicians come up to me during the classes and ask me, you know, this is cool, but you know, I, you don't understand. I get five minutes with the patient, seven minutes or whatever. And I will often tell the physician, it's not your job to explain pain to a patient. And they're very taken back. They're like, but I just sat through two days of the course. It's exactly, you just need to understand how pain works. Don't screw them up and send them to us. You can see them, this relief over them. Okay, good. I thought I'm going to have to explain. No, that's why I'm there. That's why Jeff and Tim is there. But now they, they do not use the scary biomedical information, you know, the words at harm, and they know who they need to send to, and they know what we do. So the intent is not that physicians have to go out and explain pain to patients. Now, it would be cool if they do, but that won't work. That's why we're targeting, for example, physician assistants. They have more time, more leeway to do it. So we need to all speak the same language. But we have to offer different things. I, by the way, for example, think it's highly presumptuous for me to teach an occupational therapist how to treat pain. I can teach him pain, how pain works, the biology. But they are so well versed in things like CBT, in, in approaches of motivational interviewing, etc. that is new to me and to the therapy, physical therapy world for that matter. So we need to be careful with thinking we know everything about everything. Mm-hmm. I think, as I always tell people, you're the expert in your domain. Enjoy the class, take what you can, and then apply it to your patients and your environment. And it could be in therapy too. I'm not an inpatient therapist. I used to be. But I think the inpatient therapist can listen to how pain works and then try and apply it to where they do what they do. There's going to be a little bit of both, I believe. And Adrian, just to be clear, I mean, if if someone's working in a setting and maybe their physician colleague really starts seeing the outcomes they're generating with this new approach and asks about it or a nurse, I mean, all of the classes from ISPI, I mean, the TPS certification, the Align Conference, all of these talks, all of these online seminars, these are all available to all disciplines. It, it is an all place. So, I mean, we just, just to be clear, anybody listening, I mean, if you have a physician colleague who shows interest, I mean, it would be totally viable to say, well, here's where I got this information. We'd love to have you as part of the team. That's fair. Yeah. Absolutely. In a perfect world, if I can project forward, I can see ISPI having a physician faculty, an OT faculty group, a PA group that can take the content to their domains. Right now, we're just a vehicle, but it would be amazing. We do, by the way. We have physicians now on staff that are contacting us after this saying, this has changed. Wow, I want to do more. And so we need to send them to their colleagues. But yes, 
that's the ultimate hope. Well, you started by bringing us down, and now I'm I'm amped up again, which is always <laughs> which is always a good thing because I I just hear yes, it is a big big mountain we're climbing, but I feel. You know, when you have those types of mountains, when you have colleagues that are in the trenches or on the mountain with you that are, are striving for the same goal, all of a sudden the load gets a lot lighter and we're able to, to move forward. And I think that's where personally I've had probably the most benefit is realizing, you know, as we saw this epidemic happening in these challenging patients, realizing that you're not alone and that others are out there struggling to make a difference in an environment in a delivery model that just is not not designed to help these folks out. As we come to a wrap today, I'm just, you know, I want to speak to the professional out there that's three years or younger out of their profession of physician, nurse practitioner, PA, PTOT, psychologist. If you have words of wisdom and what might be their start point to make a difference, if this, maybe they're coming across this podcast for the first time because one of their colleagues said, hey, take a listen, where would be the place to start? Well, first start by listening to the podcast. <laughs> I think the podcast is amazing because we were hearing from so many different people. And that's the thing. Be be receptive to others. I just got done with the commencement speech at a PT school. And I remember my speech. I said, you know, go to your national conferences, but then please go somewhere else. Learn from others. And so for the younger physicians, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, I would ask them to embrace multi and interdisciplinary care by learning from others. Be it the PT, the OT, the massage therapist, etc. Because there's so much we can offer. We're there. If you take PT, OT, CODAs, and PTAs, Tim, there's half a million of us. And my message then today is there's an army waiting for you that want to help you with your patients. Where are you going to get people trained at this level that is so easily accessible and are treating pain right now from a complete evidence-based perspective, combining education and movement. We're there. We, we are there for you. So, so reach out to us. Therapists will climb over each other to come spend time with you, to learn from you and work with you. So, so we're there. Awesome. Adrian, can you leave your calling card again as far as your email or any contact info, um, places folks can find you on social media, et cetera? Yeah, so the, um, the easiest place, obviously, if you go to International Spine and Pain Institute, ISPinstitute.com, that's the easiest place where all what I do is there. Evidence in Motion, our parent company, people can go there, and it will directly link to everything we're doing. Awesome. Well, Adrian, thanks as always, and thanks for the continued sponsorship. Um, Tim and I are having a blast with the podcast, and thanks for being here. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Well, yet another wonderful conversation with Adrian. So thankful for his continued contribution. I, I really hope the listeners kind of hang on that that one part of if you want to do something, do the small things well today. Like if you're pulling your truck or your car into your clinic right now, think about going in there and changing that first person's perception of where their future is going. Do that and do that consistently and get all of us doing that consistently. And it's going to happen. It, it doesn't have a choice. Change follows excellence and outcomes. And that's really made and happens by doing the basics well. So I really appreciate that comment. I hope we hang on to it. Folks, as Adrian said, ispinstitute.com, they are the, the sponsor of the show and just have world-class education. So hop on there and find something that fits for you. An online course, the TPS certification, come join everybody at a line. Find one of those that can get you to dive deeper, to know more, to help more. Um, and move forward. Thanks everyone for being here. As always, a pleasure for Tim and I and catch us on the next time on Pain Reframe. 
Pain Reframed is brought to you by our sponsor, the International Spine and Pain Institute. Check out their transformative pain science programming at ispinstitute.com.